How's everybody doing this morning? Well, I have the privilege of bringing the word and I want to jump into it. How many of you love the word of God? And uh, I, I have the privilege and the honor to be able to bring the word this morning. And uh, yeah. let me let me let me read uh, an opening scripture. And then I just kind of want to share for a second what's on my heart. I want to want to open this up. The 730 service went well, but, you know, whenever we're throughout the day, how you know the anointing of God? It's like a it's like a it's like a flow, you know. And I'm just trying to flow this morning. And so um, there's, there's a word that, that, that God placed on my heart. And actually, um, I felt a real burden to say some of the things that I'm, I'm going to say today. And, um, but let me read this scripture before uh, I jump into this. Let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. How many of you have been enjoying the series we've been in? Wave at me. I, I love interaction, just so you know. So it, please, if you, like, if you hear something you like, say amen, okay? That, and then I'll, I'll preach better. <laughs> if you like something, wave at me. You can wave. I love the interaction. Amen. Um, I'm so glad I'm Pentecostal. Because I don't know, I don't like, I, don't, I just couldn't do the boring church. Amen. I love the, the energy in here. I, don't you just love the anointing of God? And uh, I just love that, that we can get just... Wild in the presence of God. And, and uh, this morning, um, uh, I want to continue in the vein that, that Pastor's been in. And we've been talking about the presence of God. And then we, we kind of made a shift. And Pastor's been talking to us about positioning ourselves. Say that when we say positioning. And um, one of the scriptures he's been reading is Second Chronicles. And it says, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook in the, before the wilderness. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Say that with me. Say position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. And I, I don't want to um, reiterate this too much because pastor has been doing such a great job. But with this promise came an instruction. Go somewhere and position yourselves. And how many you know that being in position is so important? And, you know, I was praying... Um, this week, and there are so many, you have no idea, I was so excited, because I have so many messages, even from over the years, just around this theme that I thought would have went really nicely, but I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me specifically, and told me to talk this morning about the power of decisions. Someone say decisions. And I, I had heard this phrase year, years ago, and I can't remember the first place I heard it. But it was, it, it was in my spirit all week. And it's this phrase, decisions decide seasons. Decisions are so powerful. Not only can they decide seasons, but they can shift entire seasons in our lives. How many of you know that? Some of you know, just saying that, you instinctively know that's true. 
something, uh, I don't know, when I, I'll tell you, when I first heard that, something resonated with me. And I, this mor- last night and this morning, I really, um, can, can I be open for just two minutes before I get into this? The reason I felt led to talk about this, and I'm going to try to keep it together because I was actually very emotional. Um, and I, I'm not one that's given to exaggeration. I'm telling you, I felt the weight and the burden of the Lord on this word because I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about us as, as, as a church, as a congregation, as, and as individuals. That we're coming into a time of great promotion and acceleration. But, but th- there are some decisions that have to be made. And for all of us, it means something different. But I felt, I literally felt the weight of people's callings. I felt the weight of my calling. I felt the weight of our callings, collectively and individually. And the Lord was showing me. That our decision, he involves our decision-making process. He doesn't do things without us. He involves our decision-making. And the decisions we make determine how much we're going to do in the kingdom of God. How much impact we're going to have. How much legacy we're going to leave. How how much we're going to be able to do in the time. Are you hearing me? How many know this is true? And and, and this is not meant to uh, be, it's not a doom and gloom word. This is not like, uh, this is just... I just felt like some, uh, some of us are in a valley of decisions. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Some of us are in tough places and need to make decisions. But some of us just need to make decisions, good decisions, that are literally going to shift our life to another level. Yeah. Amen? And th- there's, a, there's, there's two stories I want to use as that back, uh, backdrop today. Um, but let me emphasize this too. The Lord, the, I, I wrote some things down. Is it okay if I just be transparent? I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord or nothing like that. I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you, I don't, I'm not one given to exaggeration, but I know when the Lord is speaking to me and the Lord told me he's waiting for some people to make a decision that you're going to maximize your calling and my calling because he can't make that decision. So this is a corporate word, but this is a very individual word. I want all of us to to just be open to what the Holy Spirit uh, is saying to us today. Because for for each of us, this means something different. But our decisions can shift seasons. And I I even wrote this down. I feel in my spirit that some of the decisions that are going to be made in this season, we're going to look back on them and remember them. Because they were game-changing decisions. Amen. And let me tell you what I love about the word decision. I've actually been meditating um, on decision apart from this series for, for a few months. This is what I love about decision and decision making. How many of you know and believe this, that you always have a choice? Do you, do you know that, that that is true no matter what your circumstance? You always have a decision. Even when it doesn't feel like you have a decision. If you've ever been in a place where your back is so far against the wall and you don't feel like you have a decision, trust me, you have a decision to make. Because even at your lowest moments, you choose what you're going to focus on. 
Let's just start. Let's just start with a very something very practical. How many of you know? Like David said, you can either focus on the problem. You can make a decision. I'm going to focus on everything that's going wrong, or you can do what David said and magnify the Lord. How many know? Magnify the Lord is not a commandment. I don't see a commandment to magnify the Lord. What what David says is, I made a choice that I'm going to magnify the Lord, and because David at certain seasons of his life. Put his eyes on the Lord. It shifted the atmosphere. Do you know that you can shift the entire atmosphere of the Lord just by making one decision? What are you going to focus on? Some some of us, we made a decision a a few weeks ago during the time of praying and fasting. How many of you made a decision to pray in the fast? Can can I ask you guys a question about how many of you saw the Lord move in those weeks in your life? I, you know, I, just this week, in the last couple of weeks, several people have told me, like, man, it's, it's incredible that I've been trying to sell this property. I've been trying to do this or I've been waiting for this. And all of a sudden things are coming through. And I said, what you been doing? Well, when, when, when we did this season of praying and fasting, they said, I jumped in because I'm, I, we don't want to miss out on what God's doing. You see, something as simple as choosing to go on a fast, something as simple, it's not simple, but you know what I mean. Something as, as easy as that, to choose that I'm going to seek the Lord, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray. That decision can shift your life. And what I love about decisions is no one can take away our decision for us, from us. The enemy would love for us to sometimes feel like we're powerless or can't make a decision. But I want to tell you something. God made you in such a way you always have a choice. You always have a choice. Amen. They say that life is 10% what happens to you and it's 90% what you choose or how you choose to respond. That means that life is much more shaped by the choices we make than the things that have happened to us. How many of you, how many of you agree with that? Say amen. amen. Say amen. Of course, not all decisions are created equal. Thank God for that. Aren't you glad that every decision we make in our lives are not heavy decisions? Like, for instance, right now, some of us are hungry. If you're like me, you're hungry. I'm always hungry, okay? Please don't get offended at this. I tell people all the time, there's a fat kid living on the inside of me, and I have to really control him because if I wanted, if I could eat all day long. I mean, I just love food, and I grew up Cajun, so that's not a good recipe. So, um, so uh, if you're like me and you're hungry, I know it seems important where you're going to eat this evening, but how many know after you eat and you're full, it's not really that important anymore. So, you know, eating Taco Bell at midnight is not a good idea. But how many know it's not going to ruin your life? (laughs) Some of y'all got that. Some of you have made that mistake. But then, and then you start working up in life, and then, then there's, you know, the more medium-type decisions. They're, they're not going to kill you. They're not going to destroy you, but they're important. Like, I don't know, like, like buying a car. Which car you drive? This, this, is a true, this is true. Me and my sister have the same exact car, right? We both have a, the same Volkswagen. But my sister, because she bought hers nine months after me, she got it for $8,000 cheaper. And I remember that day telling myself, don't buy this car new. Just wait a couple months. And I remember Taylor, I remember saying, I said, how much is it? We had the same exact car. I said, how much? I was like, 
Okay, I learned my lesson there, right? I, I learned, you see, I, it stung a little bit. It stung a little bit. Um, but it didn't kill me. You know, decisions, they come on scales. You know, some things are just, but how many you know in life there are game-changing decisions? Uh, let me just throw this out there. Obviously, the, the most game-changing decision any of us have ever made, and, and that is to know and to follow the Lord. Come on, that deserves a better amen than that. But how many you know there's things like, how many know it's important who you choose to marry? Outside of salvation, who you marry is the most important decision you make. <laughs> Some of you are amen and real hard. Okay. Hey, can I, can I tell you one little joke I heard this week? And please, please don't get offended. I heard this comedian say, he said, I met this woman. And she was, man, she was just like my mother. I, I fell in love with her. She, she thought like my mom. She talked like my mom. She acted like my mom. She even dressed like my mom. He said, I brought her home. My dad didn't like her. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Um, I'm, Lord, forgive me. Um. <laughs> Just a joke, just a joke. So, um, <laughs> marriage. Uh, how many of you don't know, though, this, that saying yes to God's call on your life, it's not an easy or a light matter. Jesus said, when you go to build a tower, consider the cost. So, how many of you know that saying yes to the plan that God has for your life is an incredible thing. And when you're in the middle of God's will, it's amazing. But how many know that it comes with sacrifices? It comes with choices. It comes with decisions. And you want to know the older I get, and I'm not that old. The older I get, I realize, you know, I meet people all the time who are so hungry to be, have more authority or more in charge. And I tell them, you have no idea what you're asking for. Because with great power comes great responsibility. You know, everyone thinks they want to be the president until you're sitting at the desk and you have to make those decisions. Amen. And so I, it's, the timing of the Lord is so important. But um, how many of you know that saying yes to his call is huge? You know, deciding where you're going to live is huge. Because if you live in Cleveland, but God's calling you to in Houston, how many of you know that there's a positioning issue, amen, where you choose to live, who you choose to marry, where you choose to work. How I many know where you choose to work is important? I, I have friends and I have family that have telling me, that have told me that, man, I know that God led me to my job. I know that God placed me. I'm at the center of God's will at my job. How many of you know that and you felt that in your life? But there are people who know that there's somewhere where... There's tension because maybe God, you're out of position because God didn't call you there or God didn't open up that door. And I'm not saying quit your job, but what I'm saying is this. I'm saying be open to the potential of something more. You guys tracking with me this morning? Someone say this, decisions, decisions. I want to turn your attention to a very familiar story in the book of Matthew chapter 19. How many of you are familiar with the story of the rich young ruler? Uh, you know, for years I have read this story 
And we tend to focus on the greatest lesson in this, in this uh, story, which I would argue there's not just one, but there's several. But usually when you, whenever you hear this story told, it's about money, right? Because this young man loved money, okay? But I want to tell you that there, there was something else going on here that was bigger than just money. You guys with me? Let me, let me, let me prove my case. I, I want to extrapolate some things from this young man. And I, I want to show you that his decision altered his life. For, for I think, obviously, for the worse. And I, I, I want to talk to you about how decisions at key moments... And again, I, I don't want this to be such a heavy message, but sometimes, how many know sometimes we need to feel the weight of decisions? Some things have to be thought through. Some things have to be really thought through and decisions have to be taken seriously because they can, I, I'll go so far as to say this, destinies and purpose can even hinge on decisions. And it says, now behold, one came to him and said, good teacher, what good thing should I do to inherit eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, I'm going to have to resist the urge because I love teaching the scriptures. Do you, do you already notice what he's doing? He's already testing his revelation. Because he approached Jesus and said, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. Peter, who do you say that I am? He was seeing He was testing this young man's perception and perspective of who he was talking to. And he said, um, next verse, he said to him, which one? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Verse 19, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to what he says. Listen to his statement. He says, all of these I have kept from my youth. What do I lack? Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard what was what was said, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. It's really easy to read over this story and miss what just happened. Trying to process this. I, I want to I give this the way that God gave this to me. Amen? The first thing we see here is that a decision is being pro, uh, proposed to this young man. Now, I want to say this. When Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all you have. Um, how many of you know that sometimes language is a barrier? How many you have, you have any friends from other countries? Y'all know what I'm talking about? The word perfect here, the Greek word is actually teleos. It's where we get the word telescope from. Actually, what Jesus is saying, he's not saying if you want to be perfect um, just morally. Because he's not telling the young man you'll be perfect and never make a mistake. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying if you want to be mature, if you want to reach maturation, that's what the word perfect there means in the Greek. It means maturity. And In other words, Jesus was telling this young man, you're right, you've got all these other things down. But he says the one thing that you have not mastered in your life, and it's mastering you, is that you love money too much. So if you want to reach maturity, sell what you have and come and follow me. Most of us focus on the money, but did you hear the invitation to come follow me? 
There's only 12 other young men in the New Testament that got that personal invitation to follow Jesus. You see, because when Jesus was talking to the multitudes, he gave general instructions about repentance. He t- the Bible says that Jesus came out of the wilderness teaching the kingdom of God, repentance and the kingdom of God. But there's only 12 boys that he said, come and follow me right now. Am I right? Am I right or am I right? <laughs> but this young man gets a special invitation. Let me get back to that in a second. Let's turn, let me turn your attention really quick to the 12 disciples. How many of you throughout the years have heard messages and you've heard sermons and you've, you've even talked about this, about how the God, God used these 12 young men. They, they were not the best of the bunch. How many of you have ever heard sermons about how, how rotten these guys were, right? I mean, and they really were. How many of you know the disciples were very immature? I mean, come on. Peter's calling down fire, chopping off ears. James and John send his mother to ask Jesus if they can sit at his right hand. They're trying to get power and all the wrong... I mean, they were just immature. It's not that they were horrible people. They were just really immature. Can you agree with me? And amen. One of my, my, my friend, Dr. Luke Holter, he wrote a book called Filthy Fishermen about how God used 12 filthy fishermen uh, to, to, to turn the world upside down, right? So uh, I believe that. But I want to tell you one thing I don't think we give enough credit to the disciples about. Can I tell you what it is? Is, is even though they were mature, and obviously they had a lot of growing to do, they needed a lot of grace. I want to tell you something. They did something extraordinary one day when Jesus happened to be walking by them, and he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Do you want, I want to tell you something. They may have had all kinds of issues, but those 12 Jewish boys laid down everything they had and followed Jesus. I know they had a lot of issues, but sometimes we don't give them enough credit for being brave and saying yes to Jesus. Come on, y'all with me? Sometimes the disciples get a bad rap. Yes, they were messy. They needed all that. But they followed Jesus at great cost. And I think that Jesus saw their willingness. Amen. They made a hard decision. How many know it's not easy? If you're Matthew and you're a tax collector, hey, they, he was making some good money. Tax collectors were ro- working for Rome and they were collecting taxes. And trust me, he was skimming some off the top. That's why they didn't like Matthew. But Matthew, what makes Matthew leave that for this? It's that he saw something more valuable, okay? He saw some. What makes Peter and Andrew leave their fishing business? It's they saw. See, that's why you can't convince me that these 12 disciples were just horrible guys. Uh, Again, I will admit they had issues, but I think they were, they had been waiting for this day. And when Jesus showed up on the scene and he came walking by and he said, come follow me, something on the inside of them leapt and said, the reason I was born just walked by. I'm not missing this moment. It's the same way that when Mary was pregnant, she goes and she visits John the Baptist's mother. And what happened? John the Baptist begins to leap in the womb. That's why you can't convince me he was Baptist. He was Pentecostal. He was jumping. He was, he, he was jumping in the womb because, here's why, the reason he was born walked into the room. You see, the disciples had some problems, but they knew Hey, every, every sinner has a past, but every saint has a future. They saw, when they saw Jesus, they said, I'm going at whatever cost. So no, no, no matter what their flaws, I will give them this credit. They made a decision that day. 
And it's a kingdom principle because in Luke 9, Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God, it's, you can't be the type of person that puts your hand to the plow and then has second thoughts and looks back. He says you're not fit for the kingdom. He didn't say you're not good enough. He didn't say because you don't get into the kingdom by your works, it's by his grace. But what he's saying is if you, don't, if you can't make a decision, he says you're not fit for the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is not for whimsical people. It's not for lazy people. It's not for wishy-washy people. It's for people that have decided for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you, want to, you don't make decisions. But Jesus is looking for people who have decided. Decided. It's a kingdom principle. It doesn't mean you won't waver or make a mistake. But it means at your core. At your core you've said yes. Yes. Because even Peter floundered. You know we see the first day. When, when Jesus comes by and he invites Peter to follow him. And you know, when the Lord gave me this message this weekend, I, I just felt so strongly. I, I know this, this may seem oversimplistic, but God was speaking to me in this story. God, God, God told me that there are some people here today that would hear this. That like Peter, your life is about to shift so radically based on the decision that you make right now in this season. And what happened is this. When Jesus comes by... And, he's, and, and he calls Peter. He says, put down your net and follow me. Someone say net. You see, Peter, uh, Peter and Andrew were fishermen. There's nothing wrong with that. And for years, that was their source of income. And that was, that, that was what they did. You see... Whenever God oftentimes will shift you, it's not because where, where you've been is necessarily bad. It's not necessarily what you're doing is bad. It's that God has something else for you. And it's coming. And he tells Peter, put down your net, not because Jesus has a problem with fishing, but because the net represents everything that Peter has been up until this moment. And you know, if you'll pay attention to your life, your life's been prophetic because Peter was catching fish all of his life. But Jesus said, now you're about to catch men. If you really think about it, he didn't take them away from fishing. He brought them to another level. He says, you're no longer going to just catch fish. You're going to catch men. What you've been doing, this has been good for you for a season, but things are changing and I need you to leave your net because you can't Go to this next place with this net. Just put it down. And for some of us, that net could be all kinds of things. And, you know, we have, a, we have a tendency to go back to our net. Because when Peter did make a mistake, Peter blew it big time. Peter actually did something that was a big no-no. Peter denied Christ three times. And the Bible says that all of the, all of the disciples, except for John, scattered when Jesus was being crucified. Only John was left there at the cross. Oh, I have a whole message about why that was, but I can't talk about it. I'm trying so hard. Because in the upper room, while Peter was bragging about his love for God, John was laying his head on the bridegroom and thinking about the bridegroom's love for him. 
One was relying on self and one was drawing from Christ. That's why only one was left at the foot of the cross. Peter was actually bragging in the upper room. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to. He was still relying on himself. Something had not shifted in Peter yet. But after Peter makes that mistake and all the disciples disperse, where does the Bible say that Peter went? He went back fishing. Because that's all he ever knew. Jesus had to go find Peter. How many of you love that story? It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible about restoration. Jesus comes to uh, the, the disciples are fishing and Peter and Andrew are all fishing. And, you know, you know, they can't catch anything. And Jesus comes on the shore and he calls out to them. And y'all know the story. When Peter realizes who it is, what does Peter do? The Bible says he girds himself and he jumps out of the boat and he swims to the shore to get to Jesus. And Jesus knows Peter blew it, but, but Jesus asked Peter, he gives him another decision. He said, Peter, do you love me? I love you, Lord. But this time it's different. He's broken. He's, had, he's went through some things. Next time, this time it's sincere. Yes. He says, okay, Peter, feed my sheep. But Peter had to still say yes. I just, I just felt so strongly in my spirit this week that God is telling some of us that we have to put our nets down. Because there's an, one of the things I hear in my spirit is there's, there's an upgrade coming. And it has to do with your specific calling. And see, that's why this word will mean something different for each person. It's not that where you've been has been bad. It's not even that what you've been doing has been bad. But God is wanting to shift some things. And he's waiting for us to make some important decisions in our lives. Come on, how many, of you are, how many of you are getting this this morning? The decisions you make. And sometimes, like Peter, we're, 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 it's easy to go back to what's familiar. It's easy to go back. But I want to tell you, he's calling you into your future. And it's time to make some decisions and move forward. This is what, we want to tell you last night when I was praying, this is what the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit told me that there's a fresh wind of the Spirit blowing and Jesus is walking by and it's a personal invitation to us and he's saying, are you ready to go to the next installment of your destiny? Are you ready to go to the next level of your calling? Are you ready to follow me? Because every level of, 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 of increase requires a new level of consecration. And I want to tell you, the Spirit of God is moving right now. He's blowing, and he, he's, he's moving some things and shifting some things in our lives. And you know what? And, 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 and there's some good decisions that need to be made. There's some tough decisions that need to be made. But if we'll make the right decision, I'm telling you, we're going to catch the wind of the Spirit. And it's going to take us into a new place. Amen. Someone say, put down your net. This is what the Lord told me to also say. Don't get too attached to who you have been. And, 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 and what I mean by that, and you need to hear me, sometimes we build attachments to who we even think we are. And this is where I felt the weight of this message, because the, Lord, the, the, the Lord's been showing me this, that when he died for us, of course he died to save us from our sins. Amen? Amen. But you weren't just saved from something. You were saved for something. The Bible says concerning Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I formed you. 
And if God is no respecter of persons, if he knew Jeremiah, he knew Andrew, he knew Victor, he knew Tom, he knew Connie. How many know that the Lord knew you before you were in your mother's womb? Here's my question. Here's my question. What did he know about you? You see, that's why when he called Peter and Peter followed him, Jesus knew at Peter's core he meant. Well, when Peter decided that day, he did decide. And and of course, Jesus saw into the future and he saw that Peter would betray him. But Jesus at his core knew who Peter really was. And that's that's the difference between kingdom leadership and a prophetic perspective is sometimes you have to see people at the end of their race when they're running it now because you've got to call people higher. And that's exactly what Jesus does to us. And that's what he told Peter. Peter, leave your net. It's not that it's bad. It's that you have a greater destiny on your life than just that, but you've got to leave it. And what happens is sometimes we grow so attached to who we've even been in the past. And the Lord said, you have no idea the things I have called you to do. The things I've called you to say are greater than you even know. And sometimes, and this is so awesome. The Lord sees things in you that you can't even see in yourself. And he calls those things that aren't as though they were. And that's why That is what he's saying to all of us. He's saying, are you willing to make a decision for your purpose? Let me get back on track. Like I said, pay attention because Peter had a net in his life. It was prophetic. If you'll pay attention to your past seasons, they were prophetic. God was setting you up. Amen. Amen. I mean, Jesus used to build things with his hands, with wood. And one day he would be crucified on wood and that would be the very thing that made him king. Pay attention to the things that come in and out of your life and to the things that come in and out of your hands. Peter was holding a net and Jesus said, you've got to let that down that net because you're moving from fit, catching fish to catching men. And that's what I'm hearing for CT. It, it, it may even be related. I'm not saying you're going to somewhere completely new. I'm, not, I'm just saying the Lord is wanting to bring upgrade. The, want, the Lord is wanting to bring increase. There, there's, there, there are destinies and callings and giftings in this place that they haven't reached their potential. They haven't been maximized. And that's what Jesus is. I, I believe challenging us this weekend this weekend are you willing to say yes to your full calling I, I gotta move on I gotta move on so check this out Mark 10 let's, let's go back to the story someone say the rich young ruler are you guys with me say yes, yes. say yes, yes. L- listen to how Mark writes in Mark 10 speaking of the, uh, the young man the, the rich young ruler then Jesus looking at him Loved him. Someone say loved. And he gives them the same commandment. Go sell whatever you have and come and follow me. But at this word, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Do you see how Mark's account is a little different? Mark throws in another word. He says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. So when this rich young ruler comes to Jesus, he actually has tremendous compassion. And he actually has a lot of love for this young man. And it's in this context that Jesus says, go and sell all you have and come and follow me. Now, you know why this is so important? And I can't prove this, but can can I have fun for just a few moments? And can I tell you what I think was happening? 
Most scholars will agree that this invitation for this young man to follow him was coming at the end of Jesus' ministry. Could it be that he was supposed to be the replacement for Judas? Because only 12 other men received that calling. Even in the book of Acts with the other two, they just kind of picked and, and God anointed it. You remember they even cast lots. But what if he was Jesus' first choice? Because 12 men had already said yes earlier. One was about to betray him and he knew it. And he told this young man, go sell all you have, take up your cross and follow me. Had this young man said yes, I don't know. Maybe we would be reading one of his books in the New Testament. This young man, when he walked away, he didn't just walk away from a good lesson. He didn't... (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? He didn't just walk away from a good sermon. He walked away from a calling. Can I throw out one more nugget for free and then I got to move on? You got to promise not to throw stuff. You got to promise not to crucify me. Do you know who some scholars believe this young rich ruler was? Young Saul of Tarsus. Because there was only a, because he was a rich young Ruler, the only rulers who were Jewish were Sanhedrin Pharisees. And there was only a few of them who were young, who were excelling. Because later on in the Gospels, Paul says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he said, I excelled in my youth. So that's just a thought. Let's not get caught up there. It's just interesting. But here's what I do know. It doesn't matter whether it was Saul or another young man. It was a young Pharisee. And You know why he couldn't walk away? Because the Bible says the Pharisees were lovers of money. This young man traded what he wanted most for what he wanted right now. And I think we get caught up sometimes on the the money thing. And the money thing is important here. But you have to understand that Jesus is not knocking prosperity. What Jesus is doing is he's looking at this young man with love and he's trying to save his life. He's trying to save his life. This was a heart issue. Amen. Because what is sin if it's not misguided affection? The problem is, is that he was in love with the wrong things. Amen. And this is what I this is what I really felt. And this is part of the decision making process that whenever decisions are presented to us in our lives that are of great significance, it's always going to cause us to reevaluate what is most important to us and what are our real priorities. Because in the kingdom of God, you don't get promoted based upon talent or gift but heart and character. Do you understand? This young man made the wrong decision because he had the wrong affections and the wrong priorities. And because of his decision, he walked away from an invitation that only 12 other young men had gotten. He walked away from a calling. You with me? I'm, I'm, I'm getting towards the end, but I, I wrote this down because I found this interesting. I'd heard this somewhere one time. 
The problem with the Pharisees is that they saw God as useful. But the people who really saw who Jesus was saw him as beautiful. He is our exceeding and great reward. God is looking for people to take to the next level who aren't just in it for what they can get. That aren't just doing things to get. But God is looking for people who say everything I'm going to do with my life. At the end of the day, it's going to be because I've seen your value. I've seen your worth. And thank you for everything you've done for me. But everything that I'm doing, it's so one day. I, you, know, you know what I told the Lord one time? I want you to do extravagant things with my life. Not because I need it. Because when I get to heaven, I want to have a crown to lay at your feet. And, and, and this young man was looking for a God that was useful. But, to go, but God is looking to promote people who see the true worth of Jesus, who see the beauty of God, who see the, come on somebody, who know, who are in it, not just for what we can get. Although how many of you know he's a blesser? He's a blesser. He is. He, he's a blesser. There's no shame in that. But God is looking for people who say, I'm in it because you're beautiful and you're worth it. I'll pay any price. I'll pay any price. What have you called me to do? Whatever it costs, I'll pay the price. And that's the one thing the disciples did that we don't give them enough credit for. They paid the price to follow him because he was beautiful to them. And he is, at the end of the day, the treasure in the field, the great reward. And I, I just feel in my spirit that in this, in this valley of decisions that many of us are in, it's time to decide in our lives and in our families what's most important. Because anything that's not built on the right motives won't leave legacy. And, but God is looking for both. God is looking for worshipers radical lovers of Jesus that he can bless and promote in the kingdom and use in the world, but are in it for the kingdom who are in it for Jesus, who are in it for the right reasons. Amen. Can someone say amen? Amen. I've got to move on. I got to hurry quickly. Move on. Are you getting this this morning? Is this ministering to anyone? One last story, and I got to close. I only have a few minutes. I'm going to paraphrase this story. In the book of 1 Samuel, we read, we read another story about another young man named David. You ever heard of him? You know? No big deal. Just a, some, some king. I don't know. Uh, I was reading Psalm 119. I mean, you try to read Psalm 119, the longest verse. Amazing. David was an incredible man, a prophet, a king, and a man, mighty man of war. But we read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 16, where Jesse, Jesse, uh, I'm sorry, the prophet Samuel comes to Jesse's household. And the prophet says, hey, I, I've come to anoint one of your sons to be king. And we know the story. It's, it's really messed up. It sounds like an episode of Jerry Springer. He goes and gets all of his sons and leaves David. Remember I told you life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you choose to respond. If anyone should have had a chip on his shoulder, it's David. His father was ashamed of him. We don't know why other than a few clues in the scriptures. David said in Psalms, he was born out of iniquity. It's very possible that he was the child that was a product of of an adultery. But we don't know why, for whatever reason, his father was ashamed. 
And so the, the, the prophet looked at all of Jesse's sons, and, and some of them looked like kings, all right? They were tall, dark, and handsome. And Jesus said, I mean, uh, Je- uh, Samuel said, no, 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 where you have to have another son. And we know the story. David comes in, and he gets anointed. But how many of you know, I, being anointed obviously was, was a defining moment in his life. But if I were to tell you, if I were to ask everyone in this room, can you guys point to me what shifted David's life? Can someone just tell me? No one wants to take a stab at it. What shifted his entire life? Killing Goliath. Because the next... Some of y'all look like y'all didn't want to throw out an answer because y'all were afraid to be wrong. Like this was some kind of quit. Whenever, whenever someone in the world mentions David, did you know that there's even a TED talk from a secular professor? You can go look at it. There's a TED talk on the story of David and Goliath. There's even been books written about David and Goliath that aren't even spiritual books. Because when most people think about David, what do we think about? We think about him worshiping and we think about him killing that giant. So in 1 Samuel 16, he's anointed to be king. But in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, we see that David shows up on the battlefield. Here's what's really interesting at this story. I don't know about you, but I like to break things way down because, because there's some lessons and there's some things to be mined from this story. When David shows up on the battlefield, he shows up and he sees Goliath taunting the nation of Israel. And David basically looks around and says, hey, guys, who's going to take care of this man? And people weren't happy with that. Remember his brother got angry with him? It's like the, the, the same thing with Joseph and his brothers. The minute Joseph opens his mouth and tells them his dream, they get jealous. We get that same irritation in this story that when David says, Who, what's the deal? Basically, what are you going to do, little shepherd boy? Like, psh, get out of here, right? We've been fighting this battle. You came here. David was there on an errand. Do you see this? David had already been anointed king, but he was still running errands. David didn't become king overnight. He made some important decisions almost every step of the way. One of them was he kept his heart pure. One of them, he kept his integrity intact. One of them is is he chose not to even, he didn't even really retaliate much. He didn't get bitter. He was making wise decisions all along. I I could get so sidetracked. But there there was an anointing on David's life, but he was making good decisions. And what happens is that day he showed up on the battlefield and he says, I'll take care of this guy. Do you remember his brother got mad at him? But when Saul heard about him, he said, bring this young man to me. So they bring David to Saul and Saul says, listen, you can't kill this giant. You're but a youth. And what does David say? Listen, I get that. But you know what? The Lord is with me. I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. The Lord delivered me and them into my hands, and he's going to deliver this Philistine into my hands. And so Saul, you know, being the coward that he was, he said, okay, go fight. You know, and and, and none of them thought that David was going to win. Do we understand that? No one thought David was going to win. But David knew he was going to win. You know how I knew? You know how I know that he knew he was going to win? And if you look from the outside, it looks like arrogance. It kind of looks prideful. He looks overly confident. But I want to tell you, he was confident for the right reasons. This is what the Bible says. He says that he went out to face Goliath, and the Bible says he picked up how many stones? Five. And, you know, over the years, I heard so many amazing stories. Why did he pick up five? And I, I know it's symbolic. It can mean all kinds of things. But later, I remember reading the Bible. I'm like, oh, okay, this is why. Because Goliath had four brothers. David picked up five stones. 
Because he says, if we're going to do this thing, we're going to do this thing all the way, baby. I'm going to kill Goliath and I'm going to kill his four brothers. I'm going to kill Goliath and I'm going to kill his four brothers. But here's what's so fascinating about the story of David is when David shows up on the battlefield, no one tells David to kill Goliath. We don't even have record that God spoke to David to kill Goliath. David made a decision to kill Goliath. Do you understand that? Someone say decision, decision. Someone say decision. Some of us are waiting for God to step out of heaven and come and make decisions for us. And God says, I've already anointed you. And that's the thing I've realized. You want me to tell you about God? Let me tell you something about God. There are times when he will give you specific instructions. But I know too many people. Can I get real to where we all live? Including myself at times. I know too many people who are super anointed, super gifted. They know it all and they have all these words. But they're in the same place for 10 years because they have a destiny. They have an anointing, but they can't make a decision. And, and that's the thing. Sometimes God will, will give you a specific decision. But there are moments when you just have to make some decisions and trust God with what he's given you. I, I, don't, I don't know how David knew he was supposed to kill Goliath. It was almost like a prophetic instinct. And, you know, I used to read this story and I've read it the wrong way. We always tell everybody, yeah, the underdog David killed Goliath. David was never the underdog. Goliath never stood a chance because he brought a gun to a knife fight. But no one knew how good he was with this slingshot. But David knew. And he said, you know what? David said, I got, I got a few things going for me. I got skill. I've got an anointing. And the father is with me. He says... He says this, he said, there's no, (laughs) he wasn't thinking, how am I going to do this? He's thinking, there's no way I can mess this up. There's no way I can lose this. And this is what I've come to tell some of us today. This is what I feel like the Lord has sent me to say is that you're in some of the anointing that's on your life. Some of the gift that's on your life. It's not even going to kick in until you start making some decisions until you start stepping out on faith. So many times we're saying, God, give me a word. God, give me a word. And God's saying, what about that word I gave you two years ago? What about that word I gave you 10 years ago? What about, what about using what I've already put inside of you? Some of us, and I, I, I hear, I, I can hear the Holy Spirit talking to me right now. The Lord speaks to some of us all the time and we think that it's our own thoughts. Let me tell you something. It's, it, 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 if those thoughts are telling you to do something great for the kingdom, do you really think that's the enemy? Is he going to really tell you to go do something great for the kingdom? That's most likely the Holy Spirit leading you. Here's the challenge. Most of the things that are going to promote us in our lives are look like difficulties. So we avoid them. See, Goliath was an issue for everybody else. And by the way, that's why David was anointed to be king, because that's what kings do. They solve problems. His anointed kick, his anointing kicked in that day. Because he was called to it. But I want to tell you something. It was not independent of his, de- his decision-making skills. He had to make a calculated decision. And you know what? The Lord backed him up on it. I, f- 
feel like I think some seasons it's so good to get a clear instruction. It's so good to get a clear word. But some seasons God is saying, what are you, when are you going to move? When are you going to make a decision? When are you going to speak something? Sometimes we're saying, God, give me a word. He's saying, give me a word. Give him what he speak back, what he's spoken to you. Watch God. God is just looking for some of us. Okay, I got to close. I'm, I'm out of time. Right, is someone getting this this morning? Someone say decisions. So you can have an anointing, you can have a calling, but at some point you're going to have to make some decisions. <laughs> and here's what I, I want to write down, and I really am closing. Whenever you finally make, and whenever me, I'm preaching on myself, my God, I need to lay hands on myself. You ever just want to lay hands on yourself and say, get this in your mind, right? Whenever we give God our full yes, and we, we can say, God, I, look, I'm, I'll admit, I'm immature. I got some issues. I'm going to need grace. But whenever we give God our, our, our full decision, our full yes, we give him permission. You know what's so crazy about the will of God? Once you get into it, things just start finding you. That's, that's what I feel like was happening with David. Things, things were just finding him. Because when you say, you know, the Bible, I mean, uh, the world calls it the law of attraction. The Bible calls it faith. Faith calls those things that are. Or not as though they were, right? So whenever you make a decision and you move in faith, the things that are meant for your life start making their way into your life. Whenever you give your full yes to him, he begins to release things. Because like I said, the one thing he will do, God will tug on our hearts. God will speak to our hearts. God will deposit, deposit, deposit. But he's never going to step out of heaven and make the decision for you or me. He's gonna, he, everything that God does in the earth involves people and it involves our decisions he told abraham abraham get up and go to that place and i will bless you there if abraham wanted to he could have rolled over and went back to sleep but abraham got up left his place and went to the land of canaan can can i get someone say amen with me that god is looking for some of us to make some decisions here's what i'll close with you have to decide you have to decide someone say you have to decide That you want God's plan for your life. You want what he has for you. And you can't do it by yourself. Of course you can't. But whenever you make the decision, his grace will carry you the rest of the way. Amen. For some of us, and this is where I just want to speak a few things. If if you'll stand with me as we're closing. Say one more time. Say decisions. I wrote some of these things down. Some of us in this room, I told you this will mean something different for different people. But some of you, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you to make a decision that you're never going into debt. Or that you're getting out of debt. And the minute you make that decision, His grace is going to empower you to walk it out. 
Some of you, God's been speaking to you for years to get away from certain toxic relationships. He's waiting for a decision. I, I, I wrote a few specific things down. The Lord said for years, he's been speaking to some of us in this room to go back to school. And some of us in this room are living, are still living under the weight of bad decisions we made. Let me tell you the, the other good news about this whole thing is that he works all things for the good of those who loved him. Listen, to who are called according to his purpose. The minute you say yes to your purpose, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. You're, listen, your past doesn't even exist anymore. You were crucified with Christ. Old things have passed away. New things have come. God... Don't, don't live another day under the weight of bad decisions after you've repented and made that right. Listen, it doesn't matter what the past held. You can start to make the right decisions today. And the decisions you're making today are shaping your future. Amen. And I, I, heard, I heard this so clear this morning from the Holy Spirit. And I just got to speak this last thing. The Lord has been telling me, and I've been praying for people, and this has been speaking to me. The Lord's telling me to tell some of you, you got to stop looking at your age. Some of you are talking yourself out of callings and things because you're worried about your age. I don't care if you're 12 years old, or you're 90, or you're 75, or you're 50. The Lord has great things planned for you. He did most people's ministries in the Bible didn't even kick in into the middle part or the end part of their lives anyways. Don't you ever discredit what God can do. The, I don't care where you are, where you've been. The minute you make a decision to say yes, God will turn everything around and begin to position you for great levels of destiny and favor on your life. Amen, amen. Let's lift our hands. Let me, let me just decrease some things over you. And, and I'm going to ask Pastor Vic to come, to come help me close. Come on, let's just love on them. Father God, I just, I, I just right now, I declare over Christian Tabernacle. I thank you, God, that we're in a great season. You're, you're, <laughs> you're doing so much. And I feel that God, what I said earlier, it's the Holy Spirit is blowing through our congregation. He's moving in all of our lives. And Jesus is walking by. And he's saying, are you ready Are you ready? Are you ready for everything I have for you? Are you ready to move beyond where you've been? Are you ready to go to the next level? Are you ready for that ministry? Are you ready for those gifts? I just feel this so strong that Jesus wants you to know. He doesn't just care. He he, he not only cares about saving your soul. He cares about redeeming your full purpose. Your full purpose. Your full purpose. And some of you think you've missed it. And you may have missed it in the past. But he can bring it back around. He can bring it back back around. He can restore things like he restored it back to Peter. But all he needs is a yes. So Father God, I speak over your people. I thank you for those who are in a tough place. who, who Those who are in a, a valley of decisions. Those who need to make big decisions. God, I thank you for wisdom. I thank you for the spirit of knowledge. I thank you for the spirit of revelation, God. Father, I thank you for those who are just making simple decisions, but that are going to end up being huge. Thank you for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. And I thank you what Vic said earlier. I'll end with this. Simple obedience changes history. Simple obedience changes history. Never underestimate the power of your decisions in Jesus' name.